630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6:30 Chad. JR and Edson says, is there really that much time to get into a lot of trouble for NHL players in Las Vegas? Vegas is just a regular city with one badass road. They're all pros. They will be fine. Chris says, the last thing I would ever do in Vegas is go to a hockey game. I go there to do things I don't usually do, escape from reality. Hockey's our reality all winter, and the game has never been more boring. The last thing it needs is a watered-down team of non-NHLers. You can always text 630-630. You can tweet me at Reed Wilkins. The email is inside sports at 630ched.com. And, of course, the phone number is 780-496-0063. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Kellen Kennedy is our studio producer. We're uh, getting ready this week for the United States Open. Oakmont Country Club in Pennsylvania. Jordan Spieth is your defending champion. A lot of it's just mental. I feel, I feel that... We've geared everything up to peak at a major, and because I feel that way, it makes me as confident as I can be. And the Anaheim Ducks naming a new head coach today as well. The Anaheim Ducks turned to a familiar face to fill their head coaching vacancy. Randy Carlisle, who led the team to its only Stanley Cup championship in 2007, has been rehired as coach. Carlisle replaces Bruce Boudreau, who was let go in April after the team was ousted from the playoffs in a Game 7 loss for the fourth consecutive year. Carlisle most recently coached the Toronto Maple Leafs in 2015. Mark Myers, Anaheim. All right. Jays beat the Phillies 11-3 this afternoon. So uh, the Eskimos got a home game coming up on Saturday against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Dave Campbell standing by to uh, come in, and we're going to talk about uh, one offensive player leaving the field today and calling the work of the offense blanking dog blank. The field will look a little different this uh, this week. I don't know if you saw the pictures on uh, Twitter today. Len Rhodes was putting a couple out, a couple players tweeted stuff. Kellen, the wall of honor. It's moved down. Down at field level now. Which is awesome. So uh, That's yeah, a I think great look idea. At, and they're going to have another LED ring yep. along the bottom of the upper concourse. And it's about time. So I think that'll look cool. And you know, really, now the players' names will be even more visible. Mm-hmm. Not, that, not that they weren't, but for, for the TV audience, too. Now the honored players should be, I guess, without having seen it. I tell you, every every year the the staff over there and that stuff they make that stadium look more and more like a showplace, eh? Like it's it, no, oh, it's a it great place a, to watch a game. It, it looks like it's a billion dollars when you walk in there. It's amazing. Great place to yeah. watch a game for sure. And of course, Dave Campbell has been covering Eskimos training camp there. Dave, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Good, Reed. How are you? Well, I'm doing very well, and uh, you know, it, it's at the point for me, Dave, and, and I wonder how the players and coaches feel, and I guess it's not that I don't care about you, but I will say to a lesser extent how you feel because you're not going to be playing the games, but but it's to the point where with Eskimos training camp, you know, now I can, I can see that season opener mm-hmm. in, in a week and a half, and that makes me excited. Um, 
Saskatchewan comes to town twice in the regular season, and I don't get as excited for preseason games, even though there's a bit of a Chris Jones storyline th- this this weekend. Just a bit. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I wonder what the feeling like is with camp now, especially since, let's face it, there's a fair number of guys who know they're going to be Eskimos mm-hmm. at the start of the season. They're, they're, I mean, as much as everybody says you're trying to prove yourself, some guys aren't fighting for jobs. So, I mean, what is what is the sense around camp and, you know, now getting into week three and all that stuff? Well, this is the dog days of, of training camp now, right? And I think training camp goes through stages. You got week one, there's a lot of excitement. The, the, the level of excitement is high. Players are just happy to get back and 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 run around and you know do the football thing again, and then you get to midweek of week one and that's when the soreness starts to set in and the fatigue and just the general I can't stand you because I keep seeing you and competing against you, um, and then you know week one ends with a mock game week one ends with a short practice on on fan day they get to meet the fans they have a day off and then week two comes in and they have really good solid up-tempo good practices where the execution wasn't as good at the start of the week but it got better as the week went on especially when the install started to really taper down they play a preseason game they feel good about that but then it's back to the grindstone and it's week three of training camp now players are really sore, really tired. The meetings, the long days are getting to, to players. And today we saw the offense kind of peter out a bit. And Jason Moss, this is the first time he's, I think, bristled as the head coach. He has challenged his group, but he has not had the day like today where I think, you know, I asked him, so what does this team need to do to pick it up, you know, or to uh, – you know, to to uh, shore up their game. You know, he basically you know he basically said it starts in the meeting rooms. It starts out here, where you listen. You know, you listen to what we're telling you. So the players are getting tired right now, and I think for a veteran who, yeah, you're right. For a veteran that knows they're on the team, it's a different story from a player who is trying to make the team. Right. You know, and then there's the players who are hurt, and their status is up in the air. And there's still several of those, especially in their secondary. You got four veterans hurt. One is not going to play for the rest of the season in John Ojo. So this is a difficult part of camp, and they have two days left of actual practice before camp closes, and they will walk walk through Friday and then the game on Saturday. So it's tough. This team is going to have to really pull it together, especially offensively, and survive the next. How, few days. how sloppy were they today? Oh, it's. I mean, was this was this Riley being sloppy? This everyone. Or was this was everybody. It was everyone. It was Riley missing throws. Threw a uh, threw an interception today where he sailed the ball over a receiver. It was the offensive line not blocking well enough. It was receivers in the wrong spot. It was running backs hitting the wrong hole. It was just everything. It just it just looked bad. Okay. You know? and, and the defense played well. You know, and you got to give them credit. But we know how much better this offense can be. You know, that's what I felt when I was watching practice and I'm going this is this is so much better that that this or this offense is so much better than they're showing. But 
you know, it's in practice, and you they have a chance to redeem themselves. So tomorrow's a big day for the offense. All right. Uh, I want to ask about one of the, the, the signings from this season, from the offseason. I haven't talked a lot about this guy. Uh, Chris Getzlaff. Mm-hmm. Is, he, is, he, is he looking? I mean, he's a little older, obviously. I know he hasn't played much because of injuries the last couple of seasons. Does he look like he's going to be able to fit in, start, and, and help? Where is he at? Yeah, I think he's a starter on okay. June 25th. And he's looked good. You know, the, the past two years have been tough injury-wise. But he looks like a fresher football player, and he's 33 years old, and that's getting up there as a receiver. But you know he's been able to get in behind coverage. He looks fast. Uh, unfortunately, he's dropped a couple of balls um, that he should have caught. He did one, you know, one of those incidents was in the mock game, and then he had a you know couple more in practice. But overall, he's been catching mostly everything that's been thrown his way. But his speed is there. He looks fresh. You know, there's two things that you could say about a guy who's battled injuries. Is he injury prone or is he, you know, a fresher body? And right now it looks like he's a fresher body that, you know, maybe he's turned back the clock a couple of years and, you know, he's not someone that's, you know, pushing mid-30s. He's someone that might be in his early 30s. So he's looked good. All right, Dave Campbell joining us, our Eskimos analyst here for the games on 6.30. Ched, we will have a broadcast for you on Saturday, 12.30, pregame show. The game will start at 2 against the Rough Riders. Um, just to round out that point on the secondary, and to me that's a huge, maybe that's the story for this team moving through the rest of camp and into the season. Solomon Means is for now slated to fill in for John Ojo. We'll see how he does. How potentially young and, by extension, inexperienced, that's, that's a dangerous word when it comes to the secondary, how potentially young and inexperienced could this secondary be? Could be very inexperienced, you know. And saying that, we'll talk about the veterans that could be starting on opening day. You got Court Parks, who likely will be a starter, unless something crazy happens. And if you're a veteran football player who's a DB, it's been a tough camp. Right. So Court Parks has survived it, but I can see him starting on June 25th against the Red Blacks. And Neil King has. Uh, you know, really taking leaps and bounds in his efforts to be the starting safety. He was really good in Calgary, and he continues that in training camp. Other than that, you're looking at all fresh faces, whether that's C.J. Morgan on the corner, Solomon Means on the other corner, whether that's Tyler Thornton playing halfback, uh, whether that's Cameron Fuller, whether that's... uh, uh, you know, other. You know. So we're talking guys with limited or no starting CFL experience. Exactly. That's where they're at right now. Unless there's something that comes up on the transactions wire, but right now there's nobody that's been cut at this point that has really any CFL experience in in the secondary. So they have to go with what they have. And I talked to Barry Miles about it, the secondaries coach and the defensive backs coach, and he said. You know, one, I'm hard to please. That's what he said. Right. But second, you have to understand what you're dealing with, but you still have to find a way to push them, even if there is some inexperience. And he did admit, yeah, I'm leaning on the guys that are left. Court Parks and Neil King have the most experience, so you rely on them, on them, and then you hope there might be a young guy that will rise up and maybe he'll become a leader. But, you know, will Pat Watkins be able to get into training camp? I, at this stage, I doubt it. Right. Because why bring him in now? You know, it's two days left in training camp as far as on-field practice goes. And the same with Koshi Mwamba, the same with you know, Marcel Young. I don't know what his injury is. That That's a, that's a new one that he left practice early uh, yesterday. So the secondary looks tough. But there's a lot of leadership on the defense. And there should be enough talent in the front seven to hopefully help that back end. 
but it's you know it, it it has to work out that way but we'll see what happens as training camp goes on but i think right now expect a young secondary to line up on saturday all right all right thanks dave we look forward to it eskimos against the saskatchewan rough riders on saturday of course that's all tied into the big porkapalooza festival that's going on in Clark, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Don't forget, if you want a ticket to the Porkapalooza Concert of Hope for Fort McMurray, go to uh, ticketmaster.ca. You can get a pass, and that includes a ticket to the Eskimos preseason game. Halftime show at the game is going to be Gord Bamford. That'll be cool as well. The party decks are going to be open, and as we mentioned, you get your first look at the new Eskimos Wall of Honor and the new upper deck LED ribbon. All cool stuff. Not cool what's going on with the Eskimo sem- uh, secondary. Some of the names you might be getting to know, just like you got to know John Ojo last year. Gary Peters out of Clemson. Had a look with the Carolina Panthers. C.J. Morgan, he played for Iowa State in the NCAA. Cameron Fuller, he went to New Mexico State. Solomon Means out of Arizona State. Now, you know, last year we would have said, well, John Ojo is an inexperienced guy. Is he going to be any good? Well, he's a CFL all-star. They're going to need good performances from one of these guys. And we've been talking a lot about Mike Benavidi's defense. What is it going to do? I'm thinking if there are inexperienced players on the D, I wonder if this is a defense that doesn't blitz. They play a little more zone or they have the linebackers dropping into some kind of help. I think that's what we might see from the green and gold this season. We may start to get some indications of that Saturday against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It is 7:19 inside sports on 6:30. Chet, legends of the game later tonight. We will feature Willie Dewitt, former Canadian heavyweight boxing champion. We got Chris from Phoenix on the line when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, we'll get uh, to some Mike Riley later on on Inside Sports. Uh, the offense not happy with what they did at training camp today. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Tell you what, it's the 10th anniversary of Fernando Pisani scoring shorthanded in overtime against Carolina. He's on the show later tonight. It's the 30th anniversary of Grand Prairie's Willie DeWitt winning the Canadian heavyweight champion at what was then known as Northlands Coliseum over Ken Lacusta. Both those gentlemen are on the show between 8 and 9 tonight. That's going to be fun. We have our fairly regular phone call from our loyal listener, Chris in Phoenix. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. I, I remember uh, 10 years ago uh, very, very fondly. I'll, uh, I'll just just amazing watching uh, Pisani score in, in overtime and and the reaction of uh, Mac T on the bench pretty much uh, looked like he uh, kind of flipped the bird to one of the one of the fans in the background there. So it was, it was pretty amazing. Um, I sometimes wonder uh, what what criteria and what uh, uh, what kind of uh, background you need to be an executive in the NHL because the, the guys that are running the show in the NHL seem to be kind of clueless about what. Um, well, we're, we're, first of all, they, they allow a, a teenager to, to run the Phoenix Coyotes or the Arizona Coyotes. He's 26. Me. He's 26, you know, Chris. <laughs> c- come on. You know, he, he's pretty much a teenager. Like, But anyway, and then, and then we're, trying to, we're trying to raise uh, – we're trying to get more goal scoring, right? We're trying, to, we're trying to grow the game. We're trying to make the game better. The, 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 the game was never it, – it never, they never scored more goals in the 80s. And, and I, get, and I'm gonna, I get the equipment has changed and goalies have changed and all that stuff, and the athletes are, 
far better and everything, but it also played into to the effect that there was less teams, so most of the most of the teams had stars on their team, and and usually more than one. Uh, so right now we're adding another team, which is going to be 31. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that in a couple years after that, we're going to add another team. So we're going to water down the, the league even more. So essentially we're going to have we're going to have players that probably shouldn't be in the NHL, that should probably be in the KHL or at, at the very best the AHL. And we're going to bring these players up, and then we're going to reduce the quality on the ice, and we're not going to grow the game because it's just going to be boring and, 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 and not what we want it to be. So instead of taking teams out of, say, Arizona, taking teams out of Carolina, taking teams out of certain places that we shouldn't have teams, we're just adding teams, which makes absolutely no sense. Well, you know, and it, the, I will tell you the only positive thing about hockey in Arizona is the fact that it's cheap, and that's it. <laughs> that's Maybe it. it'll be cheap in Vegas. Oh, probably not. Um, and, and what they, but but what they feel. But Chris, ahead, first of all, you, pretty much every point you made is is very good, if not spot on, in my opinion. But you know what the tiebreaker? What's the tiebreaker between money and and logic and balance in the game? It's money, right? Money's going to win out over competitive balance or the quality of the product as long as people are still buying that product. And in most NHL cities, the product is selling fairly well most of the time. Yeah, well, see, that's that's the thing. Like. It, it, when you go to a when you go to an Arizona Coyotes game and you look up at the stands, or you go to uh, like a meet and greet when they have uh, you, you can go to the, the stadium and uh, and meet some players and you look up in the crowd and it's, they're trying to sell season tickets and you look at uh, like uh, there's like fifteen thousand available season tickets and it's uh, the middle of August where in most places in the NHL you're usually already sold out by by then you know that that it just makes me laugh because. What's going to happen in about three years when, when Vegas, or four years or five years, when Vegas uh, it only has like five or 6,000 people or 7,000 people going to the games? Like, people don't go to Vegas to watch hockey. And then, and then you're looking they at got four, but they got, look, But they got 14,000 commitments already, man. Yeah, and how many commitments do they have in, in – I'd like to know how many commitments they had in Arizona when Arizona relocated. Or uh, sorry, when when, uh, when the when Jets the, relocated, Jets originally relocated. Yeah, you know. It, plus, you're throwing into the fact that uh, Vegas, it, Vegas is Sin City for a reason. It, it, you have everything that every other city has, but then you multiply it by ten. Right. Well, that's what I, that's so, what I was saying. I mean, did you hear my interview with Brian Blessing? Yeah, he was. He just. You know, like I, I I understand what he's saying. Like the things that there are in Vegas, other cities have. It's just. Like Vegas has way, like Edmonton has casinos. They ain't like the casinos in Vegas, right? Even yeah, even and it's not you know even even cities that have big stage shows, they're still bigger in Vegas, right? Exactly. But the, I do I do think most hockey players will go there to do their business, and that's going to try to be to beat the snot out of probably a pretty bad team for a couple of years. <laughs> oh, exactly. And hopefully we're one of the, hopefully we're one of the teams that's doing that. So, Chris, uh, I got to run, buddy. I appreciate that you're listening and calling tonight, man. Awesome, that is Chris from Phoenix. Always love when he checks in. 780-496-0063. We will continue Father's Day week with Jason Clegg and Kale Clegg. Jason's been a Canadian champion. Kale's going to be drafted next week.
This is JC Sheriff for your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Are we going here, Kellen? All right, I got to hit that button to be on the radio. There we go. Well, we got a little extra Fozzie in the show. <laughs> Inside Sports on 630 Chet. 780-496-0063. We got uh, our Father's Day segment coming up with uh, Kale Clegg and Jason Clegg. Interesting story for these two gentlemen. We're going to get to them in about a minute. Uh, the Big L says, Reed, I don't agree with Chris from Phoenix and the general complaint about lack of goal scoring in the current day NHL. I compare it to track and field and uh, timed running events. It's coming down to hundredths of seconds, whereas it used to be tenths. The sport uh, has grown and competitiveness has grown with it. Yeah, well, that's going to be an endless. I mean, look, the the, play, the 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 players today are better than they've ever been, and and they're going to keep getting better than they've ever been. That's just how sports continue to evolve. Um, but I think everybody has an era for their favorite sport where they thought it was the most fun to watch. Um, for a lot of people, probably uh, thirty-five and older, or around that age. Uh, they look back on the 80s and early 90s of the NHL and, and say that there was more offense and maybe the game was just more fun to watch, more wide open, more chances of comebacks, just more events happening in a game, right? Uh, but the Big L makes a good point. The players are better now. Uh, I think the, the playoff field is certainly – I mean, when L.A. and the Rangers played in the Stanley Cup Final, wasn't it 10th overall against 13th overall? I mean, in a 21-team NHL, the 13th place team in the league would have been in the playoffs, but they probably would have been below 500. So, it's a it's a fun debate. I don't know if we're ever going to have anybody solve it and prove it and say, "All right, everybody, this was the best year ever in the NHL," and there's our proof. Do we have uh, both guys here, Kellen? We have one, not the other. We have uh, one, not the other. Uh, is this Kale on the line? It is. Okay, Kale Clegg from the Brandon Wheat Kings. Thanks a lot for joining us today, man. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm uh, doing very well. Thanks a lot for checking in tonight. How is uh, how is your summer going? I know the season didn't end the way you guys want it, so uh, now you're gearing up for the draft. Uh, the draft. How are things feeling? Yeah, no, it's really good. Obviously, our, we had a great team this year. We, you know, we won the WHL, and that was a huge accomplishment. Um, like you said, we we fell short at the Mem Cup, but um, you know, it was a great run. It was a great you know group of guys, and um, yeah, now I'm. Know, starting to get into my summer training and looking forward to the draft next week. What made this Brandon team so powerful? I mean, you guys uh, had a pretty good offense. Obviously, you won the league. What clicked for this team this year? I think we were just such a close group. I mean, we all got along and, um, you know, not make any trades at the deadline, I think, definitely helped. Um, you know, I think we just, you know, stuck together throughout the whole year and, you know, we worked hard at what we needed to get better at throughout the, throughout the whole year and, you know, I think it, it definitely paid off. Uh, the, the Memorial Cup, I know obviously you didn't get the results you wanted. A lot of times teams talk about peaking at the right time. I don't know, was that just a week where 
uh, other teams had it going on and, and, and you guys didn't? Or how do you look back on that week? Yeah, I know it's you know it's a long season. It's a uh, you know it's it's obviously a great tournament. There's you know three championship teams and Red Deer obviously hosting. Um, you know, great teams is you know very high pace and um, you know I just don't think we had the pushback that we did. Um, you know, in the playoffs against Seattle, Red Deer, you know the teams we played and won. Um, you know, I'm not sure what it was, but you know, short-term competition. It's you know it's tough to win. All right. Well, you're part of a special segment we're doing this week to lead into Father's Day on Sunday. This is Kale Clegg from the Brandon Wheat Kings on the line. He's uh, probably going to go in the first round in the draft coming up next weekend. Also want to welcome his dad and a guy I've interviewed several times before. It's uh, Jason Clegg. Jason, you're on with Reed. Good to talk to you again, man. How are you doing? Doing well, Reed. How are you? I'm doing uh, very well. well. We'll get into your story as as we move along here. But but Jason, just for you, as a guy who played in the WHL yourself, uh, what is what has it been like to have a son whose career has progressed to the point where he's been able to play at a high level of hockey too? Well, it's been a lot of fun to watch, and you know it, it's it's fun to watch uh, uh, you know a young kid have a have goals and and dreams and put the hard work in to uh to achieve those and and you know he's he's on his way to you know achieving a lot of those goals that he set out for himself and you know like you say it's a great league um you know i've reminded him constantly here over the last few months that uh you know for him in his in his second year to have back-to-back trips to the WHL final and and to win a championship and play in a Memorial Cup is is uh, you know very blessed to to have those opportunities. Um, you know many great players have played in the league that that haven't got you know a, a sniff of that. So uh, you know really exciting to uh, to watch and and be a part of it as a parent. Jason, hockey parents oftentimes unfairly but sometimes have have bad reputations how how do you balance um obviously supporting kale and wanting to reach his potential and being careful not to be you know that parent right nobody wants to be that parent where the kid is doing what the parent wants and not what the kid wants and then you know the ins and outs of of going to the the whl and some of the challenges you know how do you feel you you've done in that what are what are some of the challenges facing the modern day parent with a teen hockey player who's who's one of the top prospects to get drafted well i i think that you know a lot of times uh you know and, and sometimes uh, fathers like myself that have played hockey uh, sometimes have a tough time drawing the line between, you know, uh, trying to coach and, and trying to be a parent. And I, I think that's uh, that's one of the big uh, the big things is you, you know you have to be there for support first and foremost. Um, you know, and, and I think it gives. Uh, well, it it could be a detriment. I, I try to think of it as giving me. Uh, you know, an advantage and, and an understanding more so than anything of the ups and downs of, you know, that, that, that this game can bring you and, and through a, a tough long season, um, you know, just trying to keep emotions on an even keel. And, and that's where the support of a parent is huge. That, um, you know, as much as you want to, you know, remind uh, the, the, your child or your player about, uh, you know, some of the things that, you'd like to see them do uh sometimes you just have to be a, a better listener than than anything and and uh you know just offer that support and, and optimism that 
that things are going to be good. Kale Clegg and Jason Clegg joining us on Inside Sports tonight. Kale, so it, the, the best advice your dad has, has given you about hockey, is it stuff that happens on the ice or advice about stuff that happens off the ice? Yeah, no, I think he's uh, he's definitely got a famous quote that he likes to use, that nothing worth achieving is ever easy. And you know, I think, um, you know, it means a lot. And I think that, you know, it's, it's right on the money. It's, you know, it's nothing but true. And I think uh, you kind of have to, you have to work for everything you get. And, you know, you know the NHL is filled with great players and, um, you know, great players are coming out from everywhere. So, you know, you always want to stay above that edge and, um you know, you want to be one of those great players, so I think it's, uh, it's on the mind. Now, Kale, uh, you were born in, uh, when were you born? 1998 in, in, the, in the border city. Your, your dad, my best memory of your dad is when he was the Allen Cup MVP in 2001 for the Lloydminster Border Kings. You were a pretty young guy. How aware are you of your dad's playing career or any memories of him, uh, you know, playing from when you were younger? Anything stick with you? Uh, I don't really have any memories of watching, but I remember when I was pretty young, I went out for one of their, um, one of his senior skates with the Border Kings and got to shoot shoot on him and um, skate with a couple of those guys. And I was a little too young to score on him, but you know, I was, you know, that's that's really the only kind of memory I have. Wait a minute, Jason, you didn't let your kid score? No, no, <laughs> he's he's got to earn it. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to stand in there now, but. <laughs> Uh, Jason, we should touch on your story too. Uh, three was it three seasons with the Red Deer Rebels? Two. Two yeah, seasons two with the seasons. two seasons with the Red Deer Rebels. I first met you working in Lloydminster. You were the goalie for the uh, for the Border Kings. You guys, uh, what was it? Lost the Allen Cup final in two thousand. You won it in 2001. Um, I, I'd like to think at the time I was in Lloyd, it was a great time to cover that team. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think they've iced the team for the last year year or two. It, transitioning from the WHL to senior hockey for you, um, you know what was it like? Because it can be uh, it, it can be iffy year to year with how strong teams are, with how strong um, the competition can be. But how did you enjoy that, that that journey through being a Border King and competing for the Allen Cup? You know, I, I look back on it, and it was uh, probably some of the, the the most enjoyable years I ever had playing hockey. Um, you know. It, Actually, the first year that I had played in Lloyd, it was between uh, a tryout in the East Coast League and, and starting with the University of Regina Cougars, and I'd played a, a year of provincials where we won um, uh, won the province and ended up playing War Road Lakers in '96, '97, and I was just blown away with the the competitiveness and and the skill level of these guys. I mean, at the time, I'm 21, and some of these guys are you know in their mid 30s, and and uh you know the opportunity arose for me to to you know move to lloyd in in uh, june of 99 ended up playing in four allen cups uh the year before we hosted we played in stony plain um but just a, an unbelievable level of competition and you know I, I look back and and it was a unique time particularly in lloyd um you know a, just a great group of guys a lot of local guys some guys that were in town um, you know, working in the oil industry, and uh, you know we weren't paying any players, uh, which isn't so much the case anymore. Um, just a great group of guys. That I mean, the year we won the Allen Cup, we didn't even play in a league. Yep. And and we'd have 25 guys at practice every night. You know, pushing each other, enjoying each other's company, and 
and uh, just a real great period of my hockey career that I look back on fondly. Yeah, well, try covering a team that doesn't play in a league. I couldn't wait for February <laughs> when you guys finally started the playdowns. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jason Clegg joining us on Inside Sports along with his son, Kale Clegg. Of course, uh, Kale is ranked 27th among North American skaters by uh, Central Scouting. He's with the Brandon Wheat Kings. Kale, how was, the, how was your draft combine experience? I'm always curious to ask people that. Yeah, no, it was really good. It's a uh, it's a busy week. Um, I met with 24 different teams, so um, you know they're you don't have much time. It's you know it's all kind of crammed into the one week, and, and then along with the testing, you know, there's nothing I haven't seen before. But um, no, the interviews are a great experience, and you know, I think they all went really well. How, did how many teams interviewed you? 24. 24. Did the Oilers interview? Yes, they did. Okay, what what do you think, Kale? Well, what's your your primary goal for a part of your game to work on here uh, over the summer, or that you want to add to your game in the in the year to come? You know, I'm always you know I'm always get, I'm trying to get better at uh, you know all areas of my game. Um, I definitely think my defensive zone. You know, I think that's an area that needs to improve in order to get to the next level. I think, um, you know, I'm going to have a good summer in the gym. You know, get a lot stronger, and I think it's going to I guess I'll ask both you, both you guys, this question because it's it's uh, it's difficult for an athlete to experience, and it's got to be difficult for the parent to experience it as well. Jason, I'll start with you. What was it like as as the dad seeing Kale uh, get hurt in his rookie season in the dub? And I, Kale, I think you only played tw- twenty games. Yeah, it was uh, it was a tough tough experience. Um, you know, I. I, I, I joke about it now, but, you know, it wasn't a lot of fun at the time. Um, certainly, you know, he had his heart set on playing and, and contributing in his 16-year-old year and, and didn't really get an opportunity to do that. It just seemed one injury after the other. Uh, you know, joked about it with my wife now that, you know, I'd try and be part psychologist to him and then I'd get off the phone and I felt like I needed to talk to a shrink. But, um, you know, it, it, it's it's one of those things, uh, you know, and and whether it's sports or, or business or life in general, that, you know, a little adversity, uh, you know, can go a long way into, you know, revealing character and, and you know, preparing you for uh, the pitfalls ahead um, in, in your career. Uh, so, you know, I, I look back on it now, and, and I think Kale would probably agree that, you know, as it, it, bad as it was at the time, um, I think he's become a, you know, a better person, a better player, uh, mentally stronger, and uh, you know, I think will bode well for him down the road. Yeah, Kale, you must have been going nuts sitting there, 16 years old, not able to play and prove yourself, eh? Yeah, I know it's tough. You know, I was excited to obviously play my first year junior, and um, you know, playing Brandon, and you know, I've never really had, I didn't really have an injury um, up in my career up to that point, and kind of got three in a row, so. Every player wants to be playing and not watching their team. So, um, yeah, no, it was definitely tough. But like my dad said, I think it was it was good. It was, you know, it was, a, it was something I learned. Different side, you know, for injuries to come maybe in the future. Um, but no, it's I definitely learned a lot from it. All right, uh, you guys have been generous with your time. So just to wrap it up here, who's who's going to Buffalo? Who am I going to see in Buffalo next week at the draft? Well, you'll see me, my family, and. You know, a couple other relatives, my uncles and aunties and grandma. Jason, you're going then? Yeah. 
Yeah, looking forward to it. I mean, can you believe it? Your kid's going to likely, I mean, he's ranked 27th, so I can make a safe bet here. I mean, can you believe it? He's going to get drafted? Yeah, it's uh, time flies, I'll tell you. I can, you know, remember him just putting skates on for the first time. And, uh, you know, again, you, you you watch your kid develop dreams over the, over the course of his career and work hard for something. And, you know, you know to, to see him go through this step that, that is the next step to, you know, getting closer to realize his dream of playing professionally. It's uh, it's an exciting time. All right. Well, I'll see you guys in Buffalo. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, I mean, a great father-son story, and it's really great to catch up with you again. Jason, thanks. I'll see you soon. And, Kale, thanks to you as well. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Reed. Appreciate it. That is Kale Clegg from the Brandon Wheat Kings and his dad, former WHL goalie, Allen Cup champion Jason Clegg as we roll through our Father's Day themed segments here on Inside Sports. Man, great to have those two guys on the show. And uh, Kale Clegg, yeah, 43 points in 71 games for Brandon. He added 15 points in 21 playoff games. Left shooting defenseman. And you're looking at him late first round, early second round for sure. 24 teams talked to him. The Oilers were one of them. 7.52, quick timeout, Inside Sports on Chet. Well, really enjoying these Father's Day segments. We had Mike Riley's dad, Pat, on last night. Today, you just heard from Kale Clegg of the Brandon Wheat Kings. High-ranked defenseman for the upcoming draft. And his dad, Jason Clegg, out of Lloydminster. Great family story there. Tomorrow, how about this? In studio with Edmonton Oilers center Mark Letestu and his father. That'll be pretty cool. Oh, you know what else is cool? The guy who scored one of the biggest goals in the history of your Edmonton Oilers. It happened 10 years ago today. You may remember him. His name is Fernando Pisani. He's up next inside Sports on Chad. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.